We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. enthusiasm tonight you're joined by me josh bow was going to join but real life keeps popping up for the both of us and much like the mavericks we are woefully unprepared for when uh, unexpected things happen tonight i am joined by rich you guys know him as mavs draft he is on twitter at mavs draft but he is also on the locked on nba big board and you can also find his regular written work at um, mavsdraft.com and though he has been doing a number of things with us with Mavs Moneyball this year. How you doing, Rich? Hey, it's great to be uh, great to be on the show. I think it's been a minute. I don't know if we've actually ever no, done I it. No, I haven't but... because I get progressively like <laughs> I, I I talked about this with Barlow the other night. Like I can't get invested in the draft because the one time I did was with Luca, and then ever since it's been like every guy I like no. The Mavs don't like that guy. So it's, it's, and, and, you know, today was, and we'll get into this today was kind of a good example of why I I've tried to like almost treat the NBA draft, like a fantasy football draft where it's like, I'd be happy with this tier of guys. Like here are the dudes that I want. And, and so just haven't, haven't really had, had, had a chance to have beyond much yet, but I'm, we talk a lot. I'm really glad you're joining us tonight. Yeah. Appreciate it. And I'm, I get that. I mean, when you spoke Luca into existence, you kind of, you had a high bar to repeat. So I, I, was, get it. I mean, that was such a weird <laughs> night because I remember the draft lottery and then just being sad. And then the night of the draft, I was not around until I got out of a workout and Mark Stein was tweeting all this stuff. And I was like, <gasps> this is the thing. So, uh, you know, we're, we're going to, this year's draft should be much more exciting. One of the things that, that broke today, I don't I'm curious if you saw this was Adrian Wojnarowski basically said, he's not going to be tipping picks, uh, which like what value does he have in a draft night? So that means we're going to be watching the draft and, I guess Sham, Shams will be be tipping picks and probably other people with inside information. I personally don't like the tipping of picks because I prefer to be really like cringy and upset in real time as the things are happening on my TV. So, oh, uh, let's see here. What all are we going to talk about today? So you released your final big board, which is pretty enthusiastic. I want to get to that probably on the back end of the show. Um, you know, you were on, you've been on a couple of different shows this week. Obviously, you're very, very, very busy talking to people this this time of the year, but you have been, um, you know, doing this for a while now. First, my first kind of question for you is, you know, how long have you been doing this? And, you know, what... What was sort of the process with with getting involved in like just covering the draft? <laughs> That's a good question. So I so for those who don't know like why I am Mavs and Magic draft, this will kind of answer it. So when I moved from Orlando as a little kid to Dallas, my parents 
they asked, they're like, so who are you going to root for? You know, you got a tough decision to make. And me being the naturally indecisive person I still am to this day, as a five-year-old, I said, well, both, I guess. And I really committed to that bit. And it's- What year are we talking? That was 1999. Okay. My first life memory was Penny Hardaway at a Magic game. That's as far back as I can go. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good first sports memory. Okay. But I adopted the Mavs, you know, very quickly. Uh, They basically, I- I don't even say adopted actually, because they started at the same time at four or five years old. Your, your brain isn't exactly like, right. you know, five-year-olds not doing analysis. So <laughs> it comes to be 2003. Um, LeBron James gets drafted. The magic have the worst record the next year. If I'm not mistaken, or one of the worst They're at the top, I was enthused by watching just LeBron. I mean, he was sure. he blew my generation away. I think he blew everybody away, but especially that generation. I kind of realized, huh, the draft's like predicting the future. And maybe that was an oversimplification as a nine-year-old at this point. But I really got invested in the Dwight Howard draft. And from there, I watched every single draft. And then come 2011, that's when I did my first true like scouting reports and notes on things. My claim to fame, I have an equally opposite positives and negatives in this draft. I had Kawhi at four on my board. I was very, very happy about that. I was like, oh, sure. Massive. Like he, he can do, he's a monster on defense. Why wouldn't he be good? I way oversimplified it, but it worked. Then I was like, yeah, Jimmy Butler. I had him low. I had Kemba Walker very low and I loved Bismack Biombo. So not exactly all hits. I can't claim all I mean, of them. Bismack's had a pretty good career, all things yeah. considered. Like there's an L, you know, I think sometimes when it comes to draft stuff, we, we boil it down to like wins and losses, but the reality is there's 450 jobs, give or take the, the two, you know, the, um, the two way positions. And there's 60 new guys plus undrafted free agents that want to enter that workforce every year. So like if you hang out for a while, there's an element to be, there's an argument to be made that it, that it's a success. It's like the guys that, you know, I don't know, wash out within a few years and really aren't in the league anymore. That stuff can be a little bit disappointing. Like who was the guy the Cavs took? Um, number one in that really well. Oh, Anthony draft. Bennett. Like, yeah, the, you get guys like that every every now and again. So that's I, I like that story. So that's that's a pretty long time. I'm trying to, I remember the only like you're. I don't know who runs this site, so I don't mean to speak ill of them. But the first draft site I remember visiting was NBADraft.net. It has the best SEO. And when I was a freshman in college, because that was that was Le- Le- LeBron year. So obviously, just like you said, I was very interested in that. And I remember checking one day, and at the bottom of the second round was a name, Marcelino Huertas, um, who was my high school teammate, but I'd lost touch with them and didn't understand why he was on this. It's like, is this a, like, what is, I thought I was getting punked, it's really, then it turned out he'd grown like four inches, that's why he was on that thing. Um, that's, that's pretty fun. So, you started writing then, and you've just kind of been, like, tinkering with it, moving along. When did you really kind of become... When was this like, all right, this is going to become a real passion project in addition to your, you know, your, your, your day jobs and such? Yeah. 2017, I was in college. I'd done, it was my victory lap year. I did a fifth year and, (laughs) (laughs) and I went to the library of, uh, of North Texas. I went out to, to club Willis as they call it went to the quiet floor to do homework. And I walked out of there starting Mavs draft because I started tweeting about Donovan Mitchell and why they needed to take him at nine. And Dennis Smith wasn't this good player. So, and instead of at the time, my Twitter was just my personal Twitter account, which I don't use anymore. And it was all my now ex-girlfriends, friends were seeing this. I'm like, they don't care. None of these people even watch, like they literally don't watch basketball. So like, why am I tweeting to this void? So I went and made it Mavs draft. I was like, screw it. Let's just see what happens on Twitter. Uh, I probably tweeted at you and Dalton a lot. I vividly remember that. And and eventually, like, the Donovan Mitchell stuff really stuck. Two years later, I was like, all right, this doesn't mean Rick Carlisle fully agreeing with you. Yeah. That's yeah. really and, fun. And That's he really lied, something. though. See, he lied at the PR. He was at the press conference. He was like, oh, Dennis Smith, always our guy. He was our number one choice. Like, which they every, like, those press conferences are such BS because every like, what are they going to say? Ah, dang! You know we like three guys more. We just had to take them. Well, wasn't like, that can't the, say it. That was the same draft with Frank Nilakina where there were like pictures with Donnie, and they were uh, we were pretty convinced that the Frank Nilakina thing was going to happen. That's a okay. So you 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 hopped on and really started doing this as and and you know Mavs fans I think don't entirely understand this. And that's why you wrote, you know, some of the pieces you wrote for us this year. The scouting is not a single year process. Guys don't just start paying attention. It is a four, five, six. And I mean, in, in some cases with these guys, you just like Wim and Yama, 
you know, he's 18. It seems like he's been on people's radar since he was like 12 years old because he's just such a big guy. And I was sort of wondering, you know, you know just using some of the examples of, of maybe guys in the Dallas area, because you've been doing the, the scouting with the Mavs features for us. If you could kind of walk us through, you know, how you are like even select, how teams and, and draft experts are even sort of selecting these guys to, to scout from the just the the sheer volume of, of basketball players are out there like i just don't get how guys are chosen i mean i get the top of the top but not like um who's a guy maybe use like the, the tcu and uh smu examples how are those guys kind of like like picked out from the from the mix yeah it's there's a ton of noise that goes into recruiting and and watching the grassroots i mean their tournaments i went to one this year and it blew me away because i felt never felt so small in my life there are middle school tournaments that were the AAU teams you see, like, I mean, the, the team CP3, Florida Rebels, all these like big EYBL programs, they had the tw- class of, tw- feel old for a second, class of 2029. And I watched them and there are these kids that are bigger, more built than I am as a 29 year old. And I'm like, what? It's what amazing. This? So everybody yeah. stands out. There's physicality, just physical standout, right? Like the kids who are the biggest are always going to get the most attention and therefore they'll be tracked longer. But the kids also who perform really well at these events, there's so many of these that really don't get talked about. There are a lot of these events that more and more NBA players are hosting and investing in. And that's how these guys are starting to get found out. Hmm. I hadn't planned to ask you this, but we're talking about it. Now I kind of want to know. So my colleague, Josh uh, Bo, has been tweeting about this a couple just over the past few days. And we sort of go back and forth with this. When it comes to scouting, do you find the sheer volume of games problematic or helpful? Oh, you know how last year I really whiffed on a lot of players? Sure. If you don't know, now you know. Yeah. I, I hate. I disliked Walker Kessler. Uh, I'm about to just crucify myself. I wasn't big on Jaden Hardy. And I think a lot of it had to do with just watching too much and going, well, I saw this, this, this. And like, and for me, like everybody's different. It might make you go the opposite right where you're like oh i saw Mm -hmm. this so much i really like it but it may not actually be anything i think for me there's limits you got to watch five to ten games like you got to be careful in what you choose that's an element of being at games live sometimes that can add up and you don't even realize it you watch 10 games live you don't really have much room for elsewhere i think there's so much noise that you can easily start nitpicking things that aren't actually real like real data and real information are vastly different and I think that's what happens when you overanalyze. So I try not to do that anymore because last year was just so abysmal for me. I, I think it was the worst scouting year I've ever done. Uh, like, and it's okay. Like I learned from it. I'm trying not to overcorrect the course, but like, I think that stuff matters and in, in knowing what you're watching and how much you're watching and when you're watching. Because if you know the context, like if you're watching Brandon Miller, right? Mm-hmm. He had a terrible March. Actually, he had probably the very worst statistical March of any player in the draft, but contextualizing, hey, he hurt his groin early and late in February you're not just going to watch this, watch it the same way you would his first game of the season. Yeah. That, and that's, you know, as you go, as you start further down, it's like these, and Josh, what, what sort of prompted, I think Josh talking about this is, you know, just the, the guys who are entering the NBA kind of with chronic injuries, we've seen it written about, there's been some interesting stuff just from kind of overuse and, I just as I, I think about skill development a lot because as highly critical as I am of the Mavericks and a lot of things for the past, I don't know, 20 years, one of the things I've been very impressed with, and just using Jaden Hardy as an example, is how they have honed elements of of skill development, which you know brings me to to wondering, you know, on a I don't want to it's not like high school level, but when guys are like, like 16 to 22 seems to be like a really key developmental window. And it's just working on these things in specific settings seems to be much more valuable than going out and playing four games on a Saturday sort of thing. And it's, it's, it's in my head as in granted, it's not like my kid's going to be a professional anything, but I'm thinking about it just in terms of how we spend time when we train, you know, as he gets older and we train, it's, it's, it's very interesting to me. And I, I hope, you know, I, I hope the the at least United States American basketball can kind of trend back towards more skill skill development stuff because I don't know it's it, there's so many talented basketball players, but 
you know, I just, with the volume of information you get out there, it's like wins and losses stop mattering. I mean, there's, there's, it's, there's just a lot of, I, I think, negative takeaways from watching that sort of stuff. Now you did have something kind of interesting. Uh, everything you've said is interesting. That's not what I mean. So you said something about like calling through volume of data. Could you kind of walk me through what you mean in that regard? Like, are you still, are you getting access to like actual, you know, both it, it I'm, College, yes, but like, do you see anything but beneath that 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 you find interesting, or is it mostly just noise? Well, and not all of it's literal data, right? Where it's it's just stuff like, just in, like uh, information and data are different, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think mm -hmm. information is processed data, right? I think it's just a general, like, uh, I think we can most people can agree on, or however you want to phrase it, it's one way or the other. One of them is processed more than the other, right? Yep. And that's more of what it means. But there are things like the synergy pages, right? There's so much on there. I've started, I think once I did it with like three guys, I was like, oh, I forgot about this element. Like, let me look and check this out mm -hmm. when I'm watching him next. And at some point that becomes systemic and you can't judge everyone that exact same way. Like something for me, I like just a very raw process when I'm watching someone for the first time. I like just watching their game and seeing what their play style is. So if somebody were to ask, Tell me about how they play because not every, not any two players are going to play the same. Some people are just pure off ball, fine. Mm -hmm. Some people have off ball with an element of what, or vice versa, defense with an element of what offensively. So for me, it comes down to you got to stay in that rhythm more than what I tried getting into. And I think this is where it kind of the information overload does hurt. You can watch every single on synergy, you can watch, you know, guys shooting all their jumpers and you're going to mm. see it it's very skewed you can watch all their runners you can watch all their shots at the rim and the half court and transition putbacks however you want to do it and that stuff becomes overwhelming because then you're like okay well if they don't do this you're making a literal checkbox and that's not scouting like that's just not what it is and i think that's the danger for a lot of people especially this time of the year in on top of that you're overthinking what you watched live in a in a like flow of like a natural mm -hmm. flow of, of just evaluation that's a really interesting way of looking at it because I, I do just in my real job, I have to do a, a fair amount of, you know, data analysis. I do some uh, nonprofit fundraising and it's just, it's so easy to harp on the wrong piece of information. I watch my boss do that like all the time where he'll grab what he wants because it's like confirmation bias where it's like, ah, oh, this is what I want to see. Um, so therefore that's, that's the piece of information I'm choosing to tout. That's, that's really interesting. I don't think I would be good if I, if I had the option to look at all of that sort of thing. Like if I saw, let's just use Luka Doncic. Like if I saw like Luka Doncic defensive possessions, I might die. Um, that sort of thing would be just crazy. Well, I, I actually, I had the privilege to use a synergy account that lets you just watch it, the numbers and just do it right away. And I went to Dirk just to like for the <laughs> scouting. And I didn't realize I'd click just misses. And I was like, did Dirk just suck? And I don't remember. And then I realized I went through all the misses. But like, you can quickly do it, right? You see seven misses in a row. You're mm -hmm. like, damn, like I did not. I, we way overvalued somebody. When in reality, you're just watching a YouTube video level quality at this point. Unless you well, can I find, really I break find it the down. The process level stuff is is something that I often think about, but don't get a lot of chances to ask about. So one one question that I'd have in terms of your process is the, the draft sort of apparatus. There's lots of guys that are super interested in women that are interested in this now because of the more relevant available data, the video, the fact that you can go to these kind of tournaments. How do you, as sort of a, an independent analyst, not let other, like talking about this with other people influence your own decision-making? As someone who cares a lot what other people think and sure. think about me, it's hard. Uh, you got to kind of put on blinders and go, I trust myself. Like there's a reason people have trusted me in the past and that they'll do it again. Right. Mm. Like if you just follow your gut, like there are things I think where you can take from other people where you go, Hey, I'm lost. Like point me in the right direction. I think that stuff is very helpful. If somebody says, Hey, I think this guy sucks at defense and you've watched this player and you're like, I think they're actually pretty good. Here's why like some of the negatives can be easily turned to positives. You got to trust that because he sucks at defense is such a blanket statement that has mm -hmm. no true substance. I think mm -hmm. you just got to kind of pick apart where people are coming from. Sometimes also what I've learned to do is just, it's almost disagreeing to disagreeing, but people just have different scouting like philosophies, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're not going to agree with process over results or results over po like process with everybody. Some people are just different and that's okay. And if you can embrace that and find a middle ground, which is always way harder to do in practice than in theory, sure. that's how you make it work. Sure. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I promise everybody that's listening, we are going to get to Mavs specific stuff. But frankly, um, I always put that on the back end because I want you guys to have to listen to the whole podcast. That's just the the nature of this thing. Now, guys, uh, if you could do me a favor, if you could go ahead and like this stream, that would get more folks in here. We've had a, a growth in the last few minutes. That's the way it always goes. Ten first 10 to 15 minutes, people thinking on it. It's also not in the season. Um and that just this happens. That would be very nice. If you could also uh, be kind enough to subscribe to Pod Maverick, uh, I would really, really appreciate it. That would be very helpful to Josh and I. Um, as well as, you know, you can also, I mentioned this earlier, but you should look up Locked On NBA Big Board, which is where you can find Rich pretty frequently. You guys have to cover stuff a lot over there in the Locked On Network. They did a really cool, um, very professional, up to the point of being kind of scary, um, mock draft with with everybody in the network that was pretty fun today nick angstad did it for mavs uh for locked on mavs and picked anthony black and i love him for that nick and i never agree which might which maybe is bad um anyway so back to to some of what we were we're talking about here so that that's kind of an easy segue into your final big board and i'm looking at this and it's it's you know you got your top three you have Wemanyama, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, and then everybody has been pretty obvious about this for the past month, that four through nine is going to be a jumble, though in your instance, four through 12 is kind of a jumble. Um, before we talk about kind of specific guys for a few minutes, when you're with how basketball is played now, what are the traits that you as a, as a draft analyst value the most with how, with, with, with kind of the style of NBA basketball these days? Yeah, I, I think I've started to embrace feel for the game and just like mm. overall intangibles. I think that's something I, for a long time thought skill outweighed that, but in reality, that's in very special circumstances. Is that true? Like there's very, very rare times. I mean, there you have to be like an all time combination of skill and height and length. I think to be really outweigh that because everybody's good in the NBA and everybody's big. Honestly, like you look at the combine measurements from this year alone, almost everybody it feels like has massively long arms. Like it's just normal. Like we've gotten to the point where plus four isn't even that big of a deal anymore. And so you have to be able to be a good decision maker, especially like you take a dribble from there on out. What are you doing after that first dribble with that dribble? Every single thing gets dissected. I would also say just really shooting upside. Like you got to be able to, show signs whether it's free throw percentage or in game shooting off the dribble not just catch and shoot or vice versa i think you have to be able to do that and just how you can scale down if you're asked to do one thing like the best one of the things i heard at the combine somebody was like this i won't say who it was or who we were talking about but they were like you know when i talk to my gm they ask what is it that's gonna what is the one thing and one thing only that gets them on an nba floor tomorrow as a rookie and you have to be able to answer that I think that stuff matters, like identifying that key point of what they do best to get them on the floor. That's a that's a really interesting way of looking at it. And that's honestly how I've been thinking a lot about the Maverick stuff, which we'll get to, um, because just candidly, like the Jason Kidd of it all matters where it's like, what is going to what is going to place this particular player on the floor? Uh, you know, um, our, Mr. Barlow has been big on Lively, and I'm just I I don't dislike Lively. I think he's a fascinating bundle of tools. But if you tell me Jason Kidd is going to play that guy more than ten minutes a game, I would I, I I would not take that bet. 
just because it's it's tough. It's being a big man in the NBA is really difficult. You have a particularly defensively, you just have a lot you got to do. Um, all right, so I'm gonna share your big board because we just we got to talk about this. This is this is a lot of fun for me. I'm really glad that I remembered that you did this. Um, all right, share the screen. There we go. All right, so now we're looking. Those of you who are listening on the audio version of the show, we're looking at uh, MavsDraft.com final 2023 big board four through ten and really eleven, which I, I I've zoomed in a little bit here. You go. Amon Thompson for Taylor Hendricks five, which might upset some Mavs fans because they really hope he will fall. Uh, Jarris Walker at six, Anthony Black at seven, Kaysen Wallace at eight, kind of one of the, the a late crash to the party, I, so to speak, compared to what a lot of big boards showed all year. Cam Whitmore, um, who uh, one of my my friends, Brian J. Draft, when I asked what the the slow like the pitch was on Cam Whitmore, his answer was a badass motherfucker. <laughs> Which I was like, okay, who likes to dunk on people? Got Grady Dick at ten on Asar Thompson at eleven. So you know, you mentioned earlier you were proud of having um, Kawhi on four on one of your. That's one of your big early wins. If you were to really stick to your guns out of some of these, particularly, you know, like your T- Taylor Hendricks, maybe your Anthony Black, which one of these is is the one that you're willing to stick your your uh, your flag in the ground on right now and call your shot? Actually, nobody on the screen. Oh, if I was okay. Really... Let's, let's show me. Tell me where I need to go. I think you're you're there. You're there. Is it, is Kobe, it Kobe Bufkin? Bufkin? Yeah. Okay. I mean, he's 19 years old. He was a sophomore. If you break down his film, unless you are doing the most nitpicking work possible, I don't know how you find major holes. There's no holes, not major holes, holes in his game. And to me, there's two thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. One is of upside. Is One is a young player who is already very good. That is somebody who has high upside. Mm-hmm. Or if you look at it the other way of somebody who's kind of raw in some areas, but they have some skills and they have athleticism and they have size, they have shooting upside, they just haven't really tapped into it. He kind of checks both. Like the shooting is brand new. He had a breakout sophomore season. If you're looking for like a Donovan Mitchell of this draft, Kobe Bufkin's a really solid bet. Like I didn't even I Donovan Mitchell was my guy, but I didn't want to like rumble ruffle the feathers too much. I put him at like 12 because at the end of the day, like it caught. It, I don't want to be like a hot take artist. I kind of do it sure. within the flow of which it's not true to myself. I also did it last year and it it fit me so bad. Nah. I'm taking a year off. You got to take that. shots, otherwise your consensus. Yeah, yeah, is exactly. Like nobody wants exactly. to do that. The other one I would say, if I had to say there's like another, I would, I mean, Bryce Sensabaugh is somebody who he's very hit or miss is my sure. concern. It's why he is down there. I, you have to account for the floor, but Bryce Sensabaugh is a guy who he has the tools to be good at everything he's bad at, but he just, he isn't good at it. Like defense is an absolute disaster. He right. has the tools though, where he's, he's got the foot speed. He's got the lateral quickness. He has the length, the size to impact on ball defense, but he has no idea how to play off ball defense. And he's not a willing passer. Like those are two things that have to change so much. And if he does hit those, like you've got yourself a top five player in this draft. Sure. Okay. How, explain Asar Thompson at eleven. That's probably the one that that will look shocking compared yeah. to a lot of just consensus. Yeah, I think one of the biggest lies on draft, like uh, just about the draft, is that both Asan, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Amen and Asar mm. Thompson are point guards, and that's just not the case. Amen is a point guard. Asar is absolutely not a point guard. He okay. is an off guard who is best making plays off of coming off screens as an off-ball threat. He's outstanding at it, but he cannot put pressure on the rim against OTE. And that's no, if you can't do that there. Mm. There's a play if if you go into like, – you don't have to do this yourself, but if you go into Asar's scouting report on the right, there's a play in the video where it says this captures both Amen and Asar's flaws right in one video and it's all right um we're sharing it now yeah. which um so, let's see here both thompson's twin is special keep going I, I i was mostly positive on this and i think sure. it's the very last uh go up a little bit this one no it's it's one of my tweets it was pretty much amen airballs the three go up sorry uh, great sorry. podcasting keep going shot blocker these oh, are the three it's not on there let eh, me happens well, this is embarrassing. No, uh, no, pretty no. much so. If you if you type it on Twitter, you can find it yourself. But yeah. it's Mavsraft Asar. If you type that in, essentially what it is is Asar gets going ahead of steam in transition. There's a rim protector. He's not even protecting the rim. It's just a big guy spreading his arms out. 
And Asar has a full head of steam. All he has to do is just dance around him. Very easy. It's a thing most high schoolers could do. And he just stops at the free throw line, picks his dribble up, sits there for a second, looks around, finds Amen who gets the air ball, who air balls a three. So it was just an absolute disaster of a position. I see this. I see this here. I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to see if I can actually share. Oh, wrong thing. I'm embarrassed. This is, this it's not is what happens when I'm my own it. producer is I, um, I produce poorly is the answer. So we're going to, we're going to share this to everybody that's watching on the video. Sorry for those of you who are engaging um, on that. Just go to share. It's this one here, right? Boom. Two, unfortunately, it. two positive uh, Amen tweets. Here's one play that personally or that captures the Thompson Twins' glaring flaws. Yeah, and start it it here. we're gonna start it over here. Got a saw dribbling up, Beautiful really spin. nice spin move, but then just gets stopped in space. And then, and then this part is pretty gross. But <laughs> okay, yeah, fair. All right, I can see one time doing. is enough. Yeah. No, that's yeah. that's really interesting to me. I. It's that that level of competition that those guys played made it a little weird at certain points. Like OTE, I think is an interesting experiment, but it's like they're 20 years old. And so I kind of wouldn't be shocked with either outcome just because that sort of athleticism, um, the, the way, the kind of athletes they are in a basketball sense is really preposterous. Uh, we as Mavs fans aren't used to athleticism. <laughs> Um, this kind of is a general thing. Like I was having a discussion earlier today with a friend who pointed out like why Tyson Chandler was so effective is not only because he was tall, not only because he dove play after play after play after play, even though he got the ball like one in 10 times, he was also enormous and had springs for legs. Like these things all matter. And then, you know, it's, it's building a team is pretty difficult. Well, we're already at the, the halfway, well, the not halfway point, but half an hour in, which means we we've managed to make it without, doing any specific Mavs related talk, which is somehow pretty impressive. I think um, I got to ask because, you know, you and I in the pre-show, we were just kind of chit-chatting today was, uh, you know, Sam Vicini tweeted it. Jake Fisher uh, shared a story about it. Um, it. It feels like today was national. The Mavs are going to trade out of 10 and trade back day, uh, which as, as I said to you earlier, when I'm on vacation next week and I see this alert on my phone that the Mavs have traded to like 25 and first and sent out Davis Bertans, I'm just going to walk into the ocean never to return. Um, understanding sort of, you know, there's so many different crutch points that happen in the first nine picks of the draft. The Pacers, the Magic, uh, the, the friggin' Portland Trailblazers. Like there's so many if-then situations going on. If the Mavericks do trade back, let's just say they trade back to anywhere between like 18 and 29. I don't know. I'm making things up. Are there particular guys on your big board that you really like as potential fits in that range? Because you said something yesterday, which has stuck with me. The Mavericks haven't had a good pick in the 20s this century, which haunts me. So... <laughs> I'm sorry you saw that. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. You go through it and it's just like, ugh, you know, 18, hey, fine. You know, but shout 20, out Mo Logger. Oh, <laughs> now professional Tommy. DJ. Is he really? Okay, good for him. Good for him. So what well, who which guys are we thinking that that you like? I mean, let's, you know, but there's one I got my eye on once again because of Kirk partisan reasons, because I went to college there. But uh I want to hear your thoughts on all these these different guys. Dang, I wish I knew where you went to college. Is, is it Arkansas? You don't have a you don't have a scouting report for him. If it's okay, great. That's okay. You didn't go to Pepperdine, and you I were did. not on the Metropolitan. I did uh, go to Pepperdine. <laughs> so Max Lewis. Okay. Oh, you did go to Pepperdine. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Today I learned. Well, um, yeah, I actually, funny enough, good timing on this. Earlier today, I released for Locked On. If you don't mind me doing a little self promotion, Locked On NBA Big Board. I actually did an episode of you know, the teams that I think could get into the 15 to 30. And I did a mm -hmm. little mock of why I like everyone at which spot. So if you want a little bit more on that, feel free to listen. But for me, I think uh, let's start with Max Lewis because he is actually one of my next scouting reports. Um, I do like him. I think the defense, he has to learn a lot on how to play defense. And same thing with passing. Yeah, averaged. I, I am always a little bit skeptical when I see a negative assist to turnover ratio, which Max Lewis had. Defense... He can be a little bit stiff at times, but I just don't think he knows how to play. And Pepperdine was not a good defensive what, team. What do you mean Lorenzo Romar isn't developing players? I know we're Who all knew? He has such a good track record of it. <laughs> Hell of a recruiter. 
but just very, the player development is ugh. yeah max lewis is i mean him developing while he's been there has been really good they also have another guy who i thought would take off houston Millet, but uh he he kind of just he was good as a freshman didn't really get better yep. this year um but with max lewis yeah it's pretty much i mean you look at an ideal um just kind of wing I'm, I'm pulling up his stats or uh, not stats his combine measurements he has seven foot wingspan six foot six barefoot that's really impressive when you consider the fact that He's a good rebounder. The jump shot is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, he has like an Allen Iverson crossover, really tight handle. He has that that by AI crossover. I mean, just that look wide left to right uh, crossover and right mm-hmm. to left. But again, it just comes down to, I think for him, it's learning the game, right? Like at a high level, that feel for the game we talked about, that's a swing skill for him. Some people think the game can be taught at 20 years that's old. Tough. You can learn, but I agree. I think that's something that a lot of people, either you naturally have it or you don't. And Max Lewis is going to be a good case study of that. He can go either way, but I think his talent holds him up pretty well. Okay. Okay. Um, I see you have uh, Derek Lively, 24. Um, that's a guy that uh, anytime we talk about it, we got is let's see if he's in the chat with my friend, Josh Swain, who every time anybody mentions lively, I can feel him having a seizure through his computer just because he's not a fan of like the kind of the base stats and the, the minutes and that sort of thing. Like, is that somebody you like, you really think the Mavericks would consider because I've obviously Barlow was big into him, but I just, I just don't know how to feel. I mean, that last year they took a clutch guy, Derek Lively's clutch. Mm. Um, I think that's a big reason why he's there. And then, but my, my whole thing is you cannot take him at 10. Like you yep. cannot be just saying 10 and that's our draft. You got to trade back three, four spots at minimum, get an asset. Yep. My whole thing is I'm very much on board with, if you get a 2024 pick, even if it's like Oklahoma city, say you trade to 12, right. they have so many take their worst pick because you know what you can do from there. You can trade every pick except the 2028 and 2030 and 29, like that little, Oh, window. does that bypass the Stepien rule? It does. Because if you have a trade, if you have a pick, it doesn't matter if it's yours or someone else's. As far as I'm concerned, I'm I'm 99 sure on this because another team did that this would recently. Make sense. So you it it re-ups your trading ability in the short term. So if you're going to take lively, like I, I highly doubt Orlando takes them at 11. Mm-hmm. I don't think their need for center is as dire as people make it out to be. Uh, Oklahoma City's not taking them. I doubt Toronto and New Orleans do. New Orleans might. But as long as you get in front of New Orleans, even then, I think you can get to 15 and still take him. Get assets and get Derek Lively. I'm not a fan of outright taking him at 10 because the this, the numbers, the stats are very alarming. If you're drafting for need for year one, Lively's not your guy. He's yeah. a long-term guy I love. I think yeah. his long-term game is great. It's just a win. Can he get there? He was a little bit passive for half the season. Not a little bit, very passive for half the season. Will it turn around in the NBA? Like it's a jump. And, and the three-point shooting is way further away than the pro day makes you think. That's yeah. just optics. No, open gym stuff is like it's interesting, but Meaningless. it's hard to explain to people that haven't done this that these I, – like I, Eric Dampier, there's this there's stories of like Eric Dampier beating Dirk Nowitzki in pregame shoot-arounds where it's just like, okay, the guy who couldn't hit free throw. It's There's just incredible. Yeah. These guys are so skilled. It's hard to put context to it. I mean, Tyson Chandler, I remember uh, a former Mavs reporter used to tweet every practice. He'd be like, Tyson Chandler went 19 of 25 from three today. And he, do you know how many threes Tyson Chandler took with the Mavs? It might have been a heave. That might be it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So are there any other trade back kind of candidates that you particularly like for this team? Because I need to to open myself up to, up to this possibility. Otherwise, I'm just going to yeah. be mad on draft night. Yeah, I'd say there's about three options I really like. And two of them stem from if you get the Brooklyn picks. If you can just do outright 10 for 21 and 22 and or whatever you want to do. I I just discounted that because it doesn't feel like it's a real thing. Is it enough, though, to get to 10? Like, that's a pretty big jump. Like, you might need more is the issue. Hmm. Okay. I I don't know how to – I'm bad at trades. Like So am I because the Mavericks haven't taken a first-round draft pick since 2005. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what – so what I don't know how they value this sort of thing, other than I feel like institutionally, and this the Josh Bo just sent me a question. He he sent a question. That's how dedicated he is to the podcast, where he said, you know, he he wants to know, and this is this is Josh's question, not mine. Do you think there's a difference in the organization, meaning the Dallas Mavericks draft preparation, 
uh, now compared to what happened in 2020. We understand yes. like the, the, yes. the lockdown. I'm sorry, COVID changed a lot, but you know, beyond yes, could could you walk me through what you mean? Yeah, I'm gonna try and not give specifics sure. because yeah, uh, well, with what you can say, I can so I can just tell you being at every TCU game for three years uh, before the Mavs passed on Desmond Bain. All I'll say is they did not do their due diligence. Every year since that new front office has been there, I've still been at every game. Uh, actually, I didn't go in 2021 or 2020 because sure. of COVID right. um, until like the spring. But I, I have seen the Mavs do a lot better in terms of just being at games and things like that. And that alone makes me think, yes, like that's I, I've seen them at so many different events where very few other teams are at. And I think they really do actually take a lot of it seriously. Now, do they take the second round as seriously? Probably still not, but they do take undrafted free agency very seriously. It's not something that's exactly news because no, they've been pretty good. I mean, JJ Barea was undrafted, yeah. Dorian Finney Smith undrafted, just two off the top of my head. And I think I think that stuff though, like it really is different. Like I, I can tell you one of like I, I remember seeing Donnie Nelson at the game. He wasn't there scouting. Like he just was not. That's and it was Doyle, Doyle Raider says that he used to see him go to to different games because he would be covering for local beats and Donnie be glad handing, which is disappointing because Donnie Nelson is when he was in his prime was one of the best scouts in NBA history. This dude looked around corners, and by the time he's in year twenty with his mat with the Mavs. He was, I think it's just, he's collecting a paycheck. It's disappointing. I mean, obviously I don't want, don't want to put you on the spot to comment on that. I'm an asshole. <laughs> I say these things out loud, but <laughs> I'll just say what that guy said in the comments. Uh, it's not inaccurate. <laughs> that got me good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that, that does actually prompt a, another question though. So if, if you're kind of looking ahead and this is past the draft, so we've, we've talked about some interesting guys in, in, in the draft, are there any undrafted guys that you would you know that, that you would see as as interesting you know potential fits with the maverick summer league team perhaps with the two-way or down with the g league because i always love that sort of stuff because you get to summer league and everybody wants to talk about the big names but they're for there for like two games it's the other guys down the roster that can be a lot of fun yeah, I, I completely agree. This is my absolute favorite part of watching and studying the draft is finding these guys who, hey, could they latch on if like they were given the chance? One of my favorites is now a Maverick, actually, and I love it. And McKinley Wright, he's one of the more fun, undersized guards I've ever scouted because he plays like he's 6'8". Like, he loves mm -hmm. the post, like, on both ends. And I love stuff like that, like the niche stuff like that that just really makes a guy tough. Like, what makes him tough? And it's that. So I really do like that. I know somebody who the Mavs um, – They've had him in twice, or they've at least visited him, had like an interview and had him in for a workout is somebody who has been at North Texas schools, and that's Kendrick Davis. He transferred to Memphis this year for his fifth year, but first four years at TCU and SMU, and he was a star at SMU. So I know the Mavs really like him. I think he's somebody that if he was given the chance, he would sign there. Um, some other guys, I'll just list if you don't mind. Like, yeah, no, please. Guys. Very quick. I'll give like an elevator pitch on all of them. Antoine Davis could be interesting. He was the he was almost almost the all time leading scorer, but he missed it by like a buzzer beater. Um, he's just a bucket. Like he's been, he looked pretty polished, I would say, at the G League Elite Camp. Didn't mm -hmm. get an invite to the combine just because he doesn't do enough outside of scoring. But it is interesting. Landers Nolly, somebody who I would be comfortable taking in the top forty five. I don't know if he's going to get drafted because there are questions about why he was at so many different schools. I think he was in three schools in five years. Yeah. He's always going to raise some question marks. I think that stuff is kind of dumb. Maybe it right. just wasn't the right situation for him. But with that, you know, it's, well, will the NBA be the right situation for you? That's the question. But in terms of on-court skill, like he's a top 50 guy, I don't think there's much hesitation on that. Six, seven shoots the lights out, both practice and in game, really sees the floor well. I would say some other guys I like, um, if you're looking for – this guy is at Texas A&M. I haven't seen him mentioned anywhere. Ooh. And his name is Dexter Dennis. He wasn't that good offensively. Probably one of the, I'd say, top two defenders that aren't centers in the wow. SEC. Uh, just the best chase down artist I've ever scouted. That sounds like a there. Mavericks calling card. Guy who can't play yeah. offense, but defensive hawk. Well, and on top of that, though, like, he's not – his shot isn't busted. Like, he, he can actually – there's some upside there. The free throw percentage isn't bad. 78, or excuse me, actually, the last, he's a five-year guy. 
He went to AM for his last year. His first his last four years, 85%, 80%, 79, 77. And free throw percentage is a really good indication. Granted, he's never shot above third, or actually as a freshman, he shot 40% on four attempts a game, but he's super long, six six. Like if you're looking for somebody to become a three and D, it's him. And then the last one I'll list, uh, because I know I've already taken a lot of time on this. This is great. I really do this is the this is great. (laughs) I really do like um I would say if, if I could choose another guy. I like Miles Norris. He's a, such a simple game. He's 6'10 and he shoots. That's it. That's it. But he's 6'10 and he shoots. And how many guys even taller than 6'8 right now for the Mavs shoot? Is it Maxi? Tell me if I'm missing somebody. No. Vail, I guess, shot a couple. Of I, I, I was there for the Dwight for the Dwight Powell oh, yeah. three-point shooting experiment. <laughs> Very bad. Very oh, bad. Yeah. Poor hey, guy. You know what? I will say, I bet he starts shooting threes again because it was only a few, it was like right before he ruptured his Achilles. And I don't think Achilles and shooting have that much of a trend. No. Like he could shoot again. I don't want it. I'm just saying it might happen again. It's just, I just, I, that was one of my longest running Twitter bits. Dwight Powell missed another three. He's like 17% is amazing. Um, I, I did want to ask you one more thing before I let you go. I meant to ask, ask you this earlier. So, you and I kind of talked offline about this when I wrote it earlier, and I'm curious as to your opinion on, do you think the Mavericks ever open up their draft process uh, in the ways that some of these other teams do? And and really, do you think the NBA, uh, on top of that, do you think the NBA ever opens up the draft process? Because the Combine seems just like a tailor-made television fun time event. I mean, the f- football's done it. Why can't the NBA? Yeah, I think the NBA as a whole is on that track. Mm-hmm. If you look at the combine, I mean, I was there this year and it's very secluded. They don't like they still are gatekeepers about it. Hmm. Like they don't they don't allow like non they don't allow media and team personnel to sit next to each other in the same section. Like it's things <laughs> like that. Now, granted, there's just a little divider. You can sit next to it and you can just talk right. or they can just sit in the they don't they don't really don't check it. But like I remember like David Fisdale and Steve Ballmer were right next to me. And I was like, what's the point of this? They're right. I could just sit right there and go, hey, how's it going? I didn't want to do it uh, partially because I'm awkward. But, you know, I think <laughs> I think but there is an element of they're opening more and more up, especially a television element of it. The mm-hmm. televised element. They got to open up some more of that. I, I think the NBA as a whole, though, should embrace, hey, this guy worked out. Here's some cool clips like the Blazers are doing. I think that's mm-hmm. something that's a really good balance of just posting highlights because highlights are harmless. I mean, it's 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 like it's fun. It gets you hyped up about guys like I love the NFL combine and I love overanalyzing stuff I don't understand. Like that's that's part of the fun of, of being of, of being a fan. And correct me if I'm wrong, has the. NBA basically, you know, in an attempt to uh, – one of the things that happens, guys, if you don't know this because Mavericks haven't been at the top of the draft, one of the things agents and teams do is they really try to steer particular players to particular teams that they want. So they'll withhold medical and measurements and stuff like that from teams. The NBA is seemingly doing – like really trying to get in front of that. It isn't – don't all players – like I think it's like starting next year. Yeah. Doesn't everybody have to go to the combine if they want to get a chance drafted? Pretty much, unless I mean, next year is a great, great trial because there's no alpha dog, there's no Victor Wembanyama, there's no Scoot. Everybody's vying for the same spots. That's going to be interesting. I think there's they're going to find loopholes, but generally speaking, you can't do what like Chet did, right? Yeah. Chet only gave his medicals, I believe, to Oklahoma City. I, I don't think he gave them to Houston. I hate that. I hate it, that. It's stupid. It's stupid. You're, people know this stuff anyways, and that's like circling back to the Mavericks-related element of this, where they were secretive for such a long time because Donnie was secretive. Um, and secretive for a reason, even though everybody knew about Dirk by the time he was drafted. It's just nobody believed in Dirk. It's different. Um, I, I just I wish that this sort of thing was open to the public because... You know, for selfish reasons, I don't like talking about rumors. I don't like, I would much rather talk about something concrete that we have video of that we could read into too much than the concept of, you know, a source tells me that Kyrie Irving is going to get a, you know, multiple offers from such and such. I just, I, it's, it's not fun. It's, that's, a, you know, talking about players in the basketball is what's fun for me. Um, and, and there's just elements of the scouting related stuff and, and uh, you know, workouts and he's it's basketball. It's great. And, and it's just, it's crazy. Like the Pacers today threw up a video of their interview with Grady Dick. And they, they asked him like, whoever was doing the interview was um, 
so we understand that you do a Donald Duck impersonation. <laughs> I mean, it's just like it's ridiculous nonsense, but it's content and it's like stuff that we can talk about that's not, you know, that that's more than just like raw speculation. I don't know. I I, I hope the Mavericks do open it up eventually. I mean, you know, Mark Cuban likes attention and money and the Mavericks do like attention and money. It just seems like kind of a, a thing they hadn't really considered. And and maybe the NBA will, will really press that in the coming years. I mean, even the Lakers who have, they're tied for the most rings in NBA history. They, they broadcast everything. They flood the zone. Yeah, it is. It's like state media stuff. Like we joke about the stuff the Mavs do, the stuff the Lakers do. They're like, this is what y'all are going to talk about today. Do you understand? <laughs> and like, that's sort of the way, that's just the way it goes. I mean, I, I really think Dallas could do that. It, it'd be, it'd be a lot of fun for, for those of us who don't know anything about the draft. I mean, you know, you guys are always doing your, your, uh, your skullduggery and the things that you have to find out from sources and whatnot. And that's a, just, a, I mean, I know it could probably, it's fun for you to a degree, but I just would like the, the stuff out there in, in the open. Well, I kept you for 20 stinking more minutes than I meant to, but this was, this has been a lot of fun. So let's, we plugged you in the beginning. We plugged you in the middle. Let's plug in the end too. Tell me, <laughs> tell me where we can find, you know, the things that you want us to listen to that you've been working on. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Locked on NBA big boards where all my podcasting goes. Um, everything else, there's two places I post, uh, more in-depth video analysis on Instagram because, you know, sure. longer videos, yeah. limits and I don't want to pay for Twitter. Um, that's at NBA draft film and then okay. on Twitter at Mavs draft. So those are the, the two spots. Everything I do gets posted on one of those. Sure. Sure. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I think if the Mavericks do somehow end up with a 2024 pick, one of the things I would like to do in the season next year. Uh, you know, maybe probably sometime in January, we could get together and do another show, kind of talk about guys to to keep an eye out. Because, I mean, I always like looking ahead. I like prospects. I like not having to talk about Dwight Powell and Tim Hardaway for the fifth year or sixth, seventh, eighth year in a row. It's it's more looking ahead can be a whole lot of fun. Um, Rich, thank you so, so much for your time. Uh, guys, I will not be doing my live show tomorrow because I didn't know that I don't have camp coverage for my kid. So unless you want me and a seven-year-old to do a live show about the Dallas Mavericks, I'm going to skip tomorrow's. Uh, head over to MazMoneyBall.com for whatever coverage we have going. We're kind of running on fumes and figuring out stuff to talk about, but we'll always have things up. Uh, this has been Kirk Henderson. And Rich Damon, everybody be good and we will talk soon. Go Mavs.